evolution and Christianity. Can you believe in both, or do you have to make a choice? If that's something that you're interested in, hey, I'm William Dyer. This is Dyer Conversations. Stay tuned because that's what we're going to be talking about here in this episode number three of the podcast. Now, as we get started into this question about evolution and Christianity, we need to make a couple uh, preliminary points, and that is that, number one, you actually have to define what evolution you're talking about, because that term is used in three major ways that we will be discussing in this podcast, and we're going to see, do any of those ways actually coincide or match up with Christianity? Can you believe in both at the same time? Another thing we have to discuss is this, and this is about science in general. Oftentimes we portray, uh, quote, science as almost like a religion in our culture. If you read in newspapers or listen to uh, another podcast or maybe see something on YouTube, you will hear terms like, well, science tells us and science has discovered and science this One thing that is important to understand is that science doesn't say anything. Scientists do. And scientists are humans. Scientists disagree with each other. You see, scientists can be biased. They're flawed like the rest of us. They can have preconceived ideas. They can allow their worldview to dictate the conclusions that they draw. And sometimes scientists can actually lie. Yeah, that's been documented before. You can look it up if you want to. So when we venture into this question on whether you can believe in Christianity and believe in evolution at the same time, we're going to try to examine the evidence in a very preliminary way. And as we do that, as we go into that, Again, we need to understand what do we mean by evolution, and then also we need to look at the actual scientific data behind it, and then the biblical data behind it to see if the two do match up. So one thing that I want to say is that if you want to dive in deeper to any of these topics, I'm going to put some links down below in the description. So, for example, if you want to go further into uh, maybe looking into how scientists can be biased and prejudiced and actually suppress evidence that doesn't go along with the um, prevailing models that they like to put out there, I would suggest a good documentary by Ben Stein called Expelled. And again, I'll put a link down below. It might be on YouTube now, and if not, you could probably buy the DVD off of Amazon. If you want to learn more about evolution, if you want to learn more about the Big Bang or Christian scientist intelligent design movement, again, I'll put some links down below. But in this podcast, I simply want to do this. I want to examine the three ways in which the term evolution is used, I guess, in general categories and say, do any of those three ways match with Christianity? And can you believe in any of those three ways or all of those three ways? So let's define the first one. Evolution, the first way that it's used. Change over time. Now, you may have heard the terms macro versus Microevolution. 
Let me break that down very simply for you. Macroevolution would be where one type or one kind of thing changes into a totally different type of thing. So for example, and I'm not saying that this is exactly the uh, story or the model that is put out there by people who believe in evolution, but let's just give an example is that maybe you have a reptile that turns into a bird. That would be a macro change. You have one type of creature that turns into a really a different type of creature. Now, microevolution, on the other hand, would be where you have variations within a type. So the best example that's used here is really of dogs. You think about the different type of dogs that we have. And you can take these dogs and you begin to breed them together and you can form different types of dogs. Now, I own a Labradoodle. So you have a poodle mixed with a lab and it comes out to be a Labradoodle. And even within the Labradoodle family, you have different types of Labradoodles. You have, you know, four, three, four, five different types and you have golden doodles. And, you know, you have some doodles that are three quarter poodle and one quarter lab or some are half and half and some are three quarter lab, one quarter poodle. So you can have these minor variations within a broader category. My Labradoodle is a dog and your German Shepherd, if you have one, is a dog. They're just different types of dogs. So we have macro versus micro evolution. Now this first way that evolution is defined is change over time. This is an example of micro evolution. And one quote that I have from a book that I was reading, and again, I'll put that link down below for you to click on if you want to uh, read this book and understand it in more detail, is they state that these changes result from, quote, a proportion of different variations of a gene within a population over time. That's an actual scientific definition of what they mean by that. Now, here's something to understand. Nobody denies this happens. We can see it, as I just explained, with the dogs. We can legitimately see these small variations within a kind, within a, a type of animal, change over time. So as we examine the actual scientific data, we say, well, it seems very clearly that small changes over time happen. Now, if you wanted to get into more detail about this, what you'll see is that as scientists have tried to push the boundaries of this and see if they can make these small changes into the big changes, make micro go to macro, what you'll find in the scientific evidence is that these experiments have always hit a wall of how much they will change, and then they come back. And again, I'll put a link down below for you to uh, look at some of the experiments that they've done over time about those. So that's the scientific evidence. Now, what does the Bible have to say about this? Does the Bible agree that there is this small changes over time? Well, listen to Genesis chapter 1, verse 21. It says, so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And so as you read the account there in the book of Genesis, you understand that God created different 
kinds of animals, and he created them with an ability for them to have these micro changes over time. So the Bible actually agrees in evolution in this sense, that there can be small changes within a certain type of animal over time. There's no disagreement there. Now, what's the second way that evolution is used? The second way is common descent. Now, this was popularized, you'll probably know this guy's name, Charles Darwin, in his book, Origin of the Species. And he argued, quote, probably all the organic beings which have ever lived on this earth have descended from one primordial form. Now, that was on page 484 of his book. So, how do we examine this? Well, one of the best ways is to actually look at the fossil record. And again, we don't have a lot of time to go into this, so I'll put a link below to a great book that you can read on this. But basically, the fossil record destroys that assumption, that theory that Charles Darwin had. We don't actually see that everything descended from one primordial form. Instead, we have something called the Cambrian Explosion, where we have all of a sudden fully formed different types of creatures, for lack of a um, more general term to use for you, fully formed without any transitional forms. So this has been kind of a really strong blow against Charles Darwin's statement there and his theory that he built upon it. So what does the scientific data say about common descent? Well, we don't really have the data for it. The data actually points opposite, that that's not what happened. Now, in the Christian realm of things, you have a group of Christians called theistic evolutionists. And theistic evolutionists, they believe this. But the problem with their view, amongst many, is they kind of cherry-pick the science. They use the science that seems to uh, agree with what they're trying to do, that is, mix this type of evolution of common descent with Christianity but they ignore the scientific evidence that disagrees with it. And then on top of that, since they claim to be Christians, they should be basing their views off of the Bible, and the theology of the Bible absolutely denies that this is correct. Again, we don't have the whole you know study to get into that right now, but if you are any way familiar with the scriptures or with basic theology, you realize that God in no way stated or implied or left room to believe that we all descended from one primordial form. God created the animals and the plants and then created man. Now, the third way in which evolution is used is the creative power of natural selection and random variation as a mechanism. That's kind of a mouthful. But essentially, what that is stating is that people use natural selection or random variation as a mechanism on how creatures evolved. What I find funny about this is that they remove God from the equation, but then they give his creative powers to this force, for lack of a better term, called natural selection. This mindless, blind, pitiless process 
as some have described it, some scientists have described it, is now being given willful and creative powers. Because you'll actually hear scientists use phrases like, quote, natural selection chose, end quote. Quote, natural or nature created, end quote. Or, quote, natural selection gives us, end quote. Now, just a question. Doesn't that sound like a willful choice is being made? How does a blind, pitiless force choose to do anything? How does a mechanism without a mind decide to create or give? I just find it interesting that you're going to remove God from the equation and his creative powers and then give those creative powers to a blind, pitiless force. I think that creates a lot of problems for that worldview. So, scientifically, do we have the evidence for this? No, not really. And again, I'll put a link in the description down below for further research if you want to dive into the actual scientific data about that. Biblically, what does the data say? Biblically, the data says that God created the plants and the animals and made God or made man in God's image. So he didn't use natural selection. He used his creative powers. So the question really becomes, can you believe in evolution and Christianity at the same time? Well, if by evolution you mean small changes over time, then absolutely. If you mean that we all descend it from one primordial organism, then no, because the science isn't there and the Bible flatly contradicts it. And if you mean by evolution that, you know, natural selection, you know, progresses evolution to higher life forms, then again, the evidence isn't there scientifically and the evidence isn't there biblically. Now, let me make one thing clear. I love science. And... To be a Christian, you have to support truth in all realms. That includes science. But I believe that if you actually study the data out, you actually study the scientific data and not just believe the headlines of what people tell you you're supposed to believe, you will realize that science and Christianity are in wonderful harmony. All right, thanks for joining me for another episode here of Dire Conversations. If this video helped you out at all, feel free to hit the like button and don't forget to subscribe so that way you don't miss any future episodes. To help me get the message out, it would be greatly beneficial and appreciated if you would also share these videos or tell other people about it. I'm on iTunes and Spotify now as well if you want to listen to the audio versions. And I'm going to put a link up here on YouTube to another episode that I did in case you're interested in that. Until then, I'll see you guys next time.